What's up? It's your boy 911, and you tuned in to AVG Podcast. As always, man, you know how we do it. Let's get to it. So today I have a very special guest. I brought in a member of law enforcement, a pillar of the community, a, a guy whose opinion I respect. So with uh, no further ado, how you doing today, sir? Man, pretty good. How about you? Man, I'm good. I'm good. First off, I want to thank you, for because um, I know you on a personal level, so I want to thank you because I know it's a lot of other things you could be doing. As I say, you do a lot of great work around the community. So just for you even taking out the time to uh, sit down and have this conversation with me today, uh, thank you for that. Man, it's an honor. Honor. No place I'd rather be. So before we get into it, man, let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit. I always like to give my guests credentials and their background. Uh, tell them how you got started in law enforcement, how long you've been on the force, and uh, just give a little background. Man, my foundation. I always wanted to get into... Law enforcement, you know, growing up, you, you wanted to do something, something that you thought was prestigious, you know, so I wanted to be a detective. Gotcha. And then, you know, so I, when I graduated, of course, I played ball in, in, in school. <clears throat> I studied criminal justice, mm-hmm. minored in political science, um, wind up leaving college, mm-hmm. going to the military, mm-hmm. um, coming out, hooked up with a private investigator, mm-hmm. thought, that, thought that was going to be my new lease on life yeah. but then it was like you gotta work under a private investigator for an extended period of time I got a baby yeah <laughs> and realistically another baby on the way so it's yeah. like uh, I can't apprentice okay. you, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't be an apprentice so and I, I, I can't be a full time gone soldier because I don't want my babies moving around so I switched from army to the national guard after mm-hmm. a tour in um, Kosovo mm-hmm. came home in would have been February, gotcha. right before 9-11, then got, activated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then got activated from wow. the National Guard unit after 9-11, but yeah. um, I got into law enforcement, I went to the police academy mm-hmm. um, 2004, and gotcha. been grinding ever since, worked, worked in the hospital, hospital division, mm-hmm. worked the streets, um, just now I'm doing more crisis management, mm-hmm. which allows me to do somewhat of detective work. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a um, investigative, administrative, but you still sometimes got to beat the street as well. So yeah, I mean it, it allows me to you know kind of scratch my itch for the street, but yeah. at the same time I get to be more impactful in an, in an environment that is definitely in need yeah. of impact from our people. So <clears throat> and see, that's another that's a question that I have in. Just um, for total disclosure, I have member of law enforcement, so I have a heightened sense of uh, awareness about law enforcement, the dangers of it. I have um, state troopers in Chicago. Shout out my cousin Terry. So I have members of law enforcement, and like I always tell them, man, make sure you come home. But growing up, as you know, we kind of got similar backgrounds as most of us do as young black males. You know, we never, nobody never really wanted to be the cop or nothing like that. So when I meet you know, people of color, they chose that direction. I'm always interested in what chose that path because we were so underrepresented in that field that when I find people that I can respect, you know, it it always triggers me, you know, the, where was your passion for? Where did you get it from? So that was it. I didn't know the PI backdrop. So that, yeah. that, that was, that was interesting right now. Yeah. And I, I had some pretty good role models, man. There was a couple of guys that were friends with, um, my stepdad at the time they mm-hmm. were officers mm-hmm. and they were they were close enough to where you could see them yeah you know yeah. but it was still is almost they were they were almost unreachable because it was it was a friend 
of an adult. You know, when we were growing up, gotcha. you know, you don't get to be a part of grown up business. Yeah. But you knew this dude was in the you know squad car in a uniform. Yeah. Um, and realistically, more than anything, getting in trouble, seeing yeah. trouble, being a part of it, saying, "This is what the other side feels like." I was this close to being a statistic. Yeah. So it was like. What, what you gonna do at this point? What path you gonna take? Yeah, so I, I, I got lucky enough, fortunate enough, blessed enough to mm-hmm. be redirected without it being catastrophic. Yeah. So that that that, that was it for me. So that was the precursor to, <laughs> yeah. to today's which, which, which is why I'm so passionate about mm-hmm. the coaching mm-hmm. and the things that we do mm-hmm. because it allows us to not just say we want to be impactful, Mm. You actually get to be there on the forefront. Exactly. You don't put your money where your mouth is. Well, okay. For real. my money, my time is right behind my mouth because yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's 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 that's the benefit of it for me. Yeah. So of course, now you know, we're gonna go get into a little bit more of the um some of the social injustice going on around the world today. So we can make a pod just listing off the names of um, the police brutality that we've seen. Of course, you know, the major headlines, the Sandra Blands, the um, George Floyds, the um, Castell. um, I mean, the list could go on and on, like I say. Um, So what I wanted to ask you and just um, put the ball in your court, seeing from your perspective, any one of those cases that you've seen from afar, knowing inside the system how it works, how you should be approached, how you should be apprehended was it any one of those cases that kind of rubbed you a little bit more than the others that you kind of like so what am i missing i can't say that there is one in particular Mm -hmm. but i can say everyone to me has a similarity Mm. and i think the it's for one it's a disconnect of who I am, mm-hmm. who I'm policing, mm-hmm. and what what is necessary. Yeah. And then I think it's a, a disconnect of how do I relate to these? How do I relate to the, this people mm-hmm. that I don't fully understand? Because things that things that we don't understand scare us, right? The things Facts. that scare us, mm-hmm. we don't like. Facts. So if if this is what I'm going into this situation with, I'm scared mm-hmm. or I don't like this quote unquote black dude because mm-hmm. it was a black dude that he reminds me of in school. Mm-hmm. They called me a nerd, called me a dork. So yeah. now I got this badge and it's done. Yeah. I'm gonna give my I'm gonna give mine back. Yeah. Got yeah. that working for Yeah, me. but but it's too late. You're yeah. not. You're really not. You you should be dealing with that. Those are the things that <laughs> I I generate a, a huge debate when it comes to this subject in within the walls of the precinct because mm-hmm. as a soldier I wasn't allowed to learn how to be a soldier Mm -hmm. at home. I was taken from my environment, Mm -hmm. placed in a different environment, Mm -hmm. and was taught Mm -hmm. the ways, the the army code. Mm -hmm. You know, so I feel like, and having gone through the police academy, I went home every night. Every day, actually. I went home every day and worked at night and then got back up and went went back to school in the morning. But that wasn't the case so much when I was going through basic training, AIT, and jump school, and ranger school. None of those things were the case. You were yeah. taken from an environment. So I think if I'm going to be an officer in Alexandria, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and I don't live there, mm-hmm. I should have to be transplanted there. Because now you become a pillar. 
you become a part of the community that you're quote unquote mm-hmm. representing, protecting and serving. You can't protect and serve me when you can't understand me. Man, that, those points right there, just those, those few points you made right there is some of the things I wanted to touch on. But to me, I don't like to talk about problems without talking about solution mm-hmm. or how you move the needle towards mm-hmm. change. Because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you because... I know being in the military myself, and like you say, being removed from your hometown, being removed from your environment that you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and placed in a very stress-filled environment, mm-hmm. you get tactical training, and you're learning under stress versus, hey, at the end of the day, I clock out, I'm going home. I'm not learning. So that was the question I had because I know, as you know, one of the things the army and the military on is big on is uniformity. Absolutely. So I know... This cadence is probably one you're very familiar with. When you hear, when you're training, you hear combat soldiers shoot to kill, drop. Mm-hmm. So you you you're trained. That's drilled into your head. Shoot to kill, shoot to kill. Mm-hmm. So my thing is like when you take that type of training, you take that type of tactical training. When you're going abroad, you are taught to engage every ta- every target like that. Mm-hmm. But when you're put in a policing environment, like you say, protect and serve. How do you shut that off and know? This could be a person of mental health. This could be a person I'm just not connected with. This could be a person that he might not understand me, but if I use this tactic, I may can talk him down and find something to de-escalate the situation versus the worst case scenario. All you're talking about is training. Training. That's all you're talking about. Training. Because if I go into a situation without a God complex, and I'm, I'm known for saying this again, mm-hmm. I don't obviously have a whole lot of friends within the precinct other than the ones that fully understand mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I'm willing to say that this weapon is made in bulk mm-hmm. I feel like you can order a bag off Amazon mm-hmm. so having one having one of the two mm-hmm. doesn't make you God it doesn't make you all knowing man very valid so if if I go into a situation like if I'm training if mm-hmm. I were training somebody I didn't know of course I mean a, a new officer mm-hmm. and I put them in a situation and you're yelling at someone who's drunk what's the point Exactly. How receptive to, are they to they those commands? They're inebriated. Exactly. So if they, if being inebriated wasn't a problem, mm-hmm. we'd never have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. So at the point at which I'm escalating or raising my voice to someone who's drunk, trying to reason with someone who's drunk, yeah. it's simply a matter of, hey, this is what I need you to do. Yeah. That's it. And generally, I mean, let's be real. We've all been drunk before. Mm-hmm. The thing that, <laughs> the thing that has calmed us down was probably. Calmness. Calmness. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, what you, what you want to do? Yeah. Like, if, if I'm drunk and I want to fight, the fight's already happened. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, I don't even know that if I want to fight or if I yeah. want what I want to do. I probably want to get home. Yeah. Because I probably feel some type of way. So, yeah. So, if I am if I respond to a bar and there's a fight, mm-hmm. okay, what are we fighting for? Mm-hmm. Okay. How serious is this? Yeah. You know, who's, or is there really harm? Or is it two men and women in mutual combat? Yeah. Because both of y'all are drunk. Okay. Yeah. How about this? Both of y'all get a ride home. Now everybody go home. Now we don't have to lose jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, we, now we don't have to ruin marriages. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be evicted. Kids don't have to be going without food because the last $50 that we spent, we had to come up with another 200 to get daddy out of jail and it was $250. Very valid point. Like very, yeah. let's let's just be. How, how do we protect and serve with with a God complex that says I am all knowing, I am all seeing? No, I know the law. Mm-hmm. I know the rules. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know. I also know that my job is to police humans. And if at any point in my life, as a human, I've expected or 
been in need of grace and understanding, why can't I offer that? First, as an officer. Mm-hmm. Like, if I sh- when I show up to a situation, the first thing I'm going to do is assert myself as the authority figure. However, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I have to pull my weapon. If I can't use my brain, the weapon is of no effect. Very good. Man, that was deep right there. That was deep right there. Man, then I'm, I'm a person too because it's like whenever we have these hashtags, these marches, and these... Sometimes I think we escape the accountability factor too. Huge. Sometimes, and this is not across the board. This is not with every case I've seen. Um, this is not, like I say, 100%. But it has to be some accountability at some point. If you know we're not afforded those same privileges that the other folks are, if you're getting certain commands, if you're getting told in detail what to do, I'm of the mindset, like I tell my family members that's a member of law enforcement, I want to see you come home. Uh-huh. That is the, the same mindset I'm raising my son. Uh-huh. Anybody has a gun and, as like you say, being involved with sports, police to me, they're the referee of the streets. Uh-huh. I've never seen watching an NBA game or NFL game, well, with the you know, influx of challenges, you might see something different, but I've never seen a referee take a tech back from uh-huh. nobody. Once the call is made, well, so once that authority figure has started giving you commands, has started telling you the next proper steps to do, sometimes you have to go along with it. Sometimes you go along to get along. Every time you should, because what people don't understand is there's a different, there are different levels of resistance. Mm. Something as simple as, I'm, I'm known for, hey, step out of the car, stand in front of this camera. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be accountability for me, for you, mm-hmm. as well as you. Mm-hmm. Because if I get out of line, it's on camera. And I'm willing to say that. What I want you to do is step out of the car, come back here to the rear of the vehicle, and stand in front of the camera. So mm-hmm. everything that we're doing, not only on my body cam, mm-hmm. everything is every, that we're doing is visible mm-hmm. and it's recorded. Yep. And there's a safety mechanism that this allows me from standing on the side of your car being a threat to where you have to look up at me. Mm-hmm. To where you can stand and look me out of eye. Because yep. I want to respect you as a human. Exactly. Because I'm going to give you that the, the word respect is is in by by definition is something that's given in return. I'm going to give you the respect. That's another thing. So that you can give it back to me. So I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to treat you like you're a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the ability to take you to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the ability to escalate this to deadly force. But why would I want to do that? Exactly. Because if I'm give, if you're giving me respect. And I'm giving you that in return. Effective communication doesn't go two ways. It Mm -hmm. goes three. And that's where most people miss the mark. Mm -hmm. It is the transmission, Mm -hmm. the reception, Mm -hmm. now the retransmission. So at the point Mm -hmm. in which we're we're having a conversation, Mm -hmm. if I'm yelling at you, you're not going to receive that. You definitely can't even, you you definitely won't even be able to retransmit it because now instead of listening, yeah, you're trying to respond. Hey, hey, let me talk to you, boss. Hey, I call everybody sir. Mm Mm-hmm. I call everybody ma'am. Not mm-hmm. because I have an inferiority complex or, yeah. or I'm the old Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, I want you to understand that I, I in no way want to be disrespectful to you. Man. But I'm not going to take it either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be yeah. clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. And that's, and that's, see, a lot of the conversation we're having, and it's good because what I'm hearing is that it could be a lot to do with training which I do personally think it is because I do see in, in just outside bird's view looking um 
looking at some instances I see that, you know, okay, well, I'm not even police trained, but I'm tactically trained. I do know this could have been handled different. Mm-hmm. Okay, if no weapon was on the assailant hand, you know, why is a weapon drawn to mm-hmm. do this? So I do see that, but I'm hearing from your point of view too, is that it's also the person. It, it also is what you have in you as mm-hmm. far as the respect factor. Mm-hmm. And so if you engage somebody with the already the notion in your head, I'm going to get my way is my way or the highway. That situation is already a no-go. It's already a no-go. And so that was the purpose with me having to sit down because I want people to hear, you know, that it's not everybody across the board. It's not every officer no. that you interact with. No. Because it's a lot of good being done in the community. And, and I'm just like anybody else. If I'm in trouble and I call 911, I'm expecting help. My tax dollars say that you better show up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I always wanted to have the dialogue as far as like, what can we do? And then you made up another good point when you said um, the police in your community. How do you feel about, is there enough visibility when there's not a time of chaos in the community from the police? No. No, it's not. That and <laughs> I don't live in the community that I police. Mm-hmm. Which is part of the reason I can justifiably say that I could be better. But again, I've been there a long time. Yeah. So I've, I've done a lot. Yeah. I, I'm the one that I'm going to go to the school when nothing's wrong. Yeah. I'm going to pull up at the park when nothing's wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to assist on a vehicle. I, I know of an instance when my sister-in-law and niece are having a flat not even 100 yards away from a police department doing shift change. And cars pulled out. Nobody stopped. I'm wow. not, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm going to yeah. pull over vehicle assist. I yeah. don't care what the situation is. I can't say that I'm protecting and serving without protecting and serving. And Very key. how do you care? Yeah. Well, you have to care. People mm-hmm. don't know. They don't care that you know until they know that you care. Now, the definition of care is, to, is being able to provide a need before it's necessary. Yeah. So if I can show up and you know that you can be comfortable with me before somebody's bamming on your door that you don't know who it is, now yeah. you gotta call the police. Exactly. Well, now you're more apt to say, you know what? I'm gonna call the police as opposed to, and I'm not calling them fools. I might got some weed in. Yeah. yeah. For real. <laughs> right? I mean, you're not selling it to kids. You, you're handling your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may be for medicinal. You may have PTSD. Yeah. This is how you. This is how you cope to get through to be a functioning member of society why would i have a problem with that yeah that's another good point so and then like i tell people all the time um you can go a lot because i was like you too i had a situation dealing with marijuana when i was in high school the police pulled me in this was a happened to be a white cop and we had that same conversation he was like right now you need to decide which path you're going to take mm-hmm. is this road is that road you know he gave me the whole spiel and i'm sitting there because i had a cousin that that was actually having a heart attack at the time because we were smoking but um <laughs> yeah that's a whole different story but uh he actually was you know giving me just some jewels it was stuff i already knew from my dad and all that but you know it's nothing like that outside presence mm-hmm. because i tell people now i'm a black male body full of tattoos i've had you know got pulled over and the interaction could have been totally left. So I don't like to hang that jacket on everybody, but it is the way you present yourself, you carry yourself, and all that too, that you can kind of de-escalate a situation before it becomes a situation. Absolutely. You got to care. Exactly. People, civilians don't understand the fear 
that comes along with doing this job. So in me, I don't carry any form of identification about who I am or what I do mm-hmm. as opposed to, I mean, other than my driver's license, mm-hmm. my concealed carry, mm-hmm. like my ID, my badge is generally in the back of my truck mm-hmm. because at that point, that's when you need to see it. Yeah. I don't need to show you that to make you, and I don't need to show you that to make myself more relevant. So if I get pulled over to this day, I'm letting all the windows down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull over. I'm going to make everything visible. Even my son, mm-hmm. he has an envelope with his driver's license, the insurance, the registration in there. So whenever he gets pulled over, he's to pull that, sit it on the dash, and after the windows are down. Not because we're afraid, mm-hmm. not, not because we're guilty, but simply because there's a different level of fear mm-hmm. that you can minimize simply by positioning yourself as not being a threat. Not being a threat. My, I'm trained to, esc- to elevate the threat mm-hmm. by one degree. So if I'm already afraid, which is nine times out of ten, what's the problem? Is they're afraid. We're afraid. You're walking into the unknown. You don't know. I worked in the, I worked in corrections, man. Mm. I worked in the prisons. I was more confident in. Well, I was more, yeah, more comfortable in prison than on the street. Than on the streets. <laughs> Realistically, because you know what you're dealing with. You have an idea. You, you never know. really know. No, no. But yeah. you have an idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know who's, you know who's, who's got the hooch. Yeah. You know who's smoking. You yeah. know who's, who's got a smuggled cell phone. You yeah. generally know. Yeah. But you don't know if. It, it, who has what? Yeah, you, you rolling up on this Camaro with dark tinted windows. The 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 tin is illegal. Mm-hmm. So, well, why would you have illegal tin? Mm-hmm. You don't want something to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like so, with this, this is another question I wanted to pose. So, you know, you hear about the code of blue or whatever like that. So, how empowered when you guys? I know, I know, sometimes. Even when you're dealing with situations or you might see a case, if it's something dealing with on the foot, people be like, well, why more black cops don't stand up? Why they don't say something? But sometimes they remove you from that because they don't want you to know that. So how do you feel about the code and how empowered do you feel like people of color voices behind the shield? They see wrong to uh, call it out. The scrutinization that comes from being a voice, mm-hmm. like I told you from the jump. I don't have a lot of friends in the police department. And it's not not because it's a bad thing for me, but I think that it's necessary for me to separate myself professionally and personally. Because Gosh. professionally, I can do my job. Yeah. Personally, you don't want to I don't want to hear you say I got a black friend because I'm going to follow up that question with well, what's their grandmother's name? <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I want to know. What type of friend is Yeah, you? yeah, because you having a black friend you if you know their grandmother mm-hmm. if you got a black friend mm-hmm. you may not know their real name but you you know they call it oh they call them a deal I don't know mm-hmm. her real name yeah yeah Man, I was, 18 before I knew my grandmother's real name. <laughs> I, knew, I knew her name was Madea. That, yeah, that was it. That was it. That was my, grand, my granddaddy's wife. So yeah. That's my grandma. Yeah. Uh, but those are the types of, I mean, asking those questions, it'll get you ostracized. So that, that code of blue, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe in what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes there's great. Mm-hmm. There's great. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to when I was in working in the prison, one of the trustees that was most trusted by me mm-hmm. was a dude that had served he had served 28 over 30 mm-hmm. he killed his mom Jesus. his grandmama 
Yeah. And his best friend. That sounds like a horrible person, right? Yeah. Okay. When he was, when it happened, he was in the car. His IRA, he had gotten a new IROC. Mm-hmm. His best friend's in the car, small mm-hmm. town. He's racing another car. Comes up over a hill. Head on collision with another car. It's his mom and his grandma. Oh, my God. Is he a bad guy? Oh, my God. Now, I did not <laughs> think this story was going to take exactly. that turn. Exactly. How many times have you raced a car? How many, not even raced. How many times have you driven fast? Exactly. Today. Today. <laughs> Let's be Today. real. Today. <laughs> so, those types of experience have, experiences have allowed me to be a person mm. in the midst of my profession mm. that says, you know what? Hey, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. We're going through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You don't have, you're not used to being, you're used to traveling 40 weeks out of the year. Yeah. Now you're at home with this wife who's used to traveling 30 weeks out of the year. Now y'all at home every day together. Every boy. It's crazy you said that. I did a pod during uh, the beginning of the pandemic and I kind of touched on that. 2020, when, and you know the old saying 2020 is clear vision. 2020 was an eye opener mm-hmm. because you weren't allowed to run from problems anymore. That kid that you're not speaking to, that kid that's cutting up, guess who's at home waiting for you every day now? Or guess if you're working from home, guess who's in that other room now? Absolutely. That wife that you've been avoiding and those conversations, you guess where you can go now? Mm-hmm. Bars are not open. No. Hooters is not open. You can't get to boot thing. You can't get to boot thing. Because what, what errand can you make up? Yeah, okay. Where do you have to go? You used to work husband. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no work husband. Where your work boo at now? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you, got, you, you at home with your boo. For real. And so you, man, believe me, the the, the increase of, of calls, mm-hmm. um, the investigations for me, uh, mm-hmm. I do a lot of, like I said, crisis management. So. Mm-hmm. Domestic disturbance, mm-hmm. uh, gang activity, mm-hmm. money laundering, mm-hmm. all the things that you have a whole lot of time to do. Yeah. So my case file, my, my case load picked up. And I got to do some investigations too because. They said about idle hands? Ooh, it's a workshop. Mm-hmm. It's a workshop. And then, listen, it was, it was enough to make you check yourself and like, wow. Like, I really need to call my kid. Mm-hmm. I really need to. Speak to this woman in a more calm fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she getting on my nerves, but ooh, that dude had a bullet hole mm-hmm. in his thigh. Said mm-hmm. he was cleaning the 300, his 357, but he was an arms dealer. If anybody knows how to properly dischamber a weapon, it's an arms I think dealer. You. I think he would qualify. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I told him, I said, hey, listen, I don't even want you to tell me the true story. Just mm-hmm. tell me if you're safe. He was like, yeah. That's it. Right. That's it. That's it. He's like, I don't I don't want anything to happen. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. That's it. That's crazy. See, that's what I'm hearing, man, it's it's a lot of ways you can uh, avoid, you know, taking stuff to the next level. So coming from again from your perspective, what are some of the things the community and the shield, the uh the police law enforcement what are you? What are maybe one or two key things that you see that can be done better on both sides to make those interactions just not so advantageous, or make those 
interactions with black kids or seeing police cars and they're ducking off or where black kids are seeing officers or, and respecting them and want to go into that because to me, unless we have enough people behind the shield, we'll never be able to make true change. It starts with parents. It starts with, with us as adults, not just the parent. I mean, you can you can be a mentor, you can be a coach, you can be an uncle. Don't, don't create the narrative that the police are bad. Gotcha. NWA, F the police. Yeah. Yeah. Until somebody breaks into your car. Until you move out of the hood and somebody's knocking on your door that or trying to get in your house. Like, mm-hmm. I get the mentality. I do. Mm-hmm. However, teaching my kids who never, who will never grow up in the, in the hood because they didn't. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're in the suburbs because of the sacrifices that I made. Yeah, I'm willing to take you there. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to let you see it because we're not we're not beyond it. Exactly. However, I'm not going to tell you if you be bad, the police going to get you. Yeah. No, I'm going to tell you that if you, you commit a crime, yeah. yeah, if you commit a crime, then you're subject to the consequences of your actions. It's accountability. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to blame them for catching you Judy. stealing. Yeah. Stop stealing. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. Don't steal. You don't take anything that doesn't belong to you. Yeah. So if we if we teach our children mm-hmm. that or our whoever whoever we're impactful to if we teach them that there's right and there's wrong mm-hmm. and it's not it's not up to the police to decide if you're right or you're wrong that's a decision within yourself yeah and then okay because I mean if you ask they ask me today am I a thief I can say no I'm not a thief yeah. But if I lose my job, I lose my house, and I got to feed my kids, yeah, I'm willing to take what I need to. Thanks. That's where, where the other side comes into place. Yeah. Before you imagine that you can just look, unequivocally say, you're wrong for doing this. Mm-hmm. Figure out why. What, what Do you understand that this is wrong? Because sometimes people don't know. Case in point, when you're dealing with some white people, we as black people, we're taught. You walk into a room, mm-hmm. you speak to everybody. Man. You walk into the house, you speak to everybody. Go ahead with this one. I see where you go. Well, mm-hmm. what they were taught growing up is you speak when you're spoken to. Mm-hmm. Now, are they wrong? Because they're, they're no more wrong for displaying the teachings of their youth than you are from thinking it's inappropriate for them not to speak. <laughs> However, if there's effective conversation that says, hey, I feel like this whenever you don't speak. And they say, well, I was waiting on you to speak. That's the transmission, the reception, and the retransmission. Man. Now we have an understanding. Oh, God, now we have a... I thought you didn't like me. Well, I thought you didn't like me. Yeah. Well, I spoke to you. Uh, no, you didn't speak to me. You spoke yeah. to them. Well, I spoke to everybody. Well, I'm not everybody. I'm just me. And I think that point right there you made is, is so key because of one of my, my, my cousins is a motivational speaker. Shout out Difference Maker. But that point right there is so key because I have to tell, I used to tell him we'd have conversations and I tell other people as well. Our, everybody base level of what you call common sense is not the same. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> who does, who determines what the person you need, what their common sense is. Mm-hmm. Their wrong is not your wrong mm-hmm. or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, because I work in the um, in a hospital system where it's people from every culture, mm-hmm. Indians, and it will be people that will literally run over you, mm-hmm. like Natron means getting on an elevator and see nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Somebody made me open my eyes. Hey, if you see people from another nationality, another culture, 
They might come from a culture where it's a crowded environment on the streets. It is. It's a crowded environment where they're walking and stuff. And it's not, it's, it's programmed into them. You met them at the later stages of their life. You didn't meet the beginning. Yes. And so now yes. your common sense is, it's is not different. worlds apart. I'm as much of a man as LeBron James. Facts. Right? Mm-hmm. My kids are just as much as human as LeBron James' kids. Mm-hmm. Their idea of we don't have anything to eat versus my kids' idea of we don't have anything to eat is totally different. My broke ain't his broke. Ain't ever been broke. <laughs> Real shit. I remember watching <laughs> I remember watching LeBron James when he was coming out of high school. Remember they gave him the silver Hummer? The Hummer? The Hummer scandal? Yeah, yeah, it was a big remember, deal. Yeah, we remember that. Yeah. Shit, I, I graduated from high school. I was a star. You know yeah. what I got? Some free clothes from Burlington Coat Factory. Because <laughs> one, one, yeah. one of the cheerleaders that, that worked, one of the cheerleaders from the football team worked there. Yeah. That's, okay. That's how we cap out. Yeah, what? Why well, was hey, balling in that purple top? Two different worlds. <laughs> two different worlds. My common versus his common. He probably never been to Burlington Coat Factory. For real. Unless it was I wonder if I can buy this franchise. <laughs> Who I need to talk to yeah, to yeah. get this? How can I own this? Not this, no, not this shirt, yeah. ma'am. Yeah, all of these. <laughs> all yeah, of these. Four and five. That's yeah. all me, dog. For real. Yeah, I mean, this it, it's so much that we could we could just learn by and and we could we could avoid mm-hmm. simply just by taking a second to say, you know what? What is it gonna cost me? Mm-hmm. So I get pulled over for speeding. I know I'm speeding. Or if I don't think I'm speeding. Mm. Okay. At the point that I'm pulled over, I lost. Because in real life, as an officer, I know I can pull you. Or if I follow you for half a mile, not mm-hmm. follow you. If I'm just behind you for half a mile, mm-hmm. you're going to commit between three to seven traffic offenses just because you're a driver. I don't need a reason to pull you over. Yeah. I can make up one. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you changed lanes mm-hmm. and you didn't signal properly. You were driving too close. Yep. The speed, Just lim- the speed limit is 35. You were yep. going 37. I thought I had a five mile grace period. That's a grace. <laughs> Y'all just, hear that, right? That's a myth. <laughs> I, I can decide what the grace is. No, yeah. no I'm not going to pull you over for that. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. But on that one time, Cause you in that you in that Caprice classic that say sun kiss on the side. <laughs> <laughs> you're and that yeah. tent, that tent is too dark. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pull you over because I want to know why the tent is too dark. Because you know it's too dark. Mm-hmm. They told you when you got the tent that this is illegal. Yeah. You got limo tent. You got limo tent on a, on on a cutlass. <laughs> it's not a limo. <laughs> Come on, why wouldn't I pull it over? Yeah. You got this regal. And it's got this limo tint on here. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I hear your exhaust yeah. before I even see the car. I know there's no catalytic converter on that car. <laughs> that that, that, that ex- inspection sticker is illegal. <laughs> like, come on. I may laugh because I know. Yeah. But don't think that I'm not in the know. For real. Like, come on, dude. I went to school to get this education. Yeah. Like, I grew I'm up in on my head and yeah, right. come on, bro. I, I grew up in the same hood you did. Exactly. Like, come on, and that's man. key, getting those people in the same from the same neighborhood, same backgrounds, look like us. To have that that like you say, I know this. Don't yeah, come don't, on, don't bullshit me. Come I on, know bro. this. Come on. So 
we can change the narrative moving forward. Because I do want people to know, like, the good officers on the force, they want better, just like we want better. Absolutely. They don't want to see their name smeared across the news or mm-hmm. their department smeared across the news. And they know they wanted the good ones. And now they're up in front of riots, taking the brunt of what somebody else did. Oh, yeah. It, it gets tense. It gets it gets tense in the briefing room. I will, I will say that. I can imagine. Because I can imagine. You don't get to say things like you have a problem with a Black Lives Matter protest. Mm-hmm. And you replace it with a Blue Lives Matter Mm. So my question has been, and this mm. happened in real life. Yeah, the guy had a problem with Black Lives Matter. Gotcha. And I'm not, I'm not an advocate for or against because mm. I believe everybody does matter. I, but I'm, I'm not foolish enough to think that if I say Black Lives Matter, that devalues the lives of anybody else. Gotcha. I don't think that's the case. Mm. I do know there are, you know, different levels of hypocrisy related to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. So. There was a Black Lives Matter hat that a guy came in to jail with on. He's he takes it and throws it on the floor. Mm. In his apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As he's booking him in. I was trying to put it on the counter. Mm-hmm. That's what you want me to believe. I get it. Mm-hmm. But would you have tried to throw it on the counter if it said blue lives matter? Mm-hmm. He was like, probably not. It's like, so your problem is the black. Hmm. Your problem is the word black. He was like, no, that's not it at all. I said, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. He was like, he told me, you can't even associate it, associate with that because you're not black. I said, what am I? He's like, I don't know. I don't see color. I was like, well, then you you see, you see, need to see me. How hmm. can you not see me as a black man? Because For if really? I take off this badge and this uniform and you see me. You quickly a, identify. Oh, my goodness. You see me on the, you see me standing on the side of the street. I'm a black guy then. Mm-hmm. No, don't let this uniform. I can take this off at any time. Mm-hmm. So let's not be let's not be persuaded by stupidity. Yeah. What you're trying to do at this point is cover yourself because you know you're wrong. Mm-hmm. But I do too. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to again the the, the blue code, mm-hmm. yeah, it don't mean nothing to me. Yeah. I'm black for. <laughs> you wake up with this. You wake up yeah, with this uh, yeah, uniform on. Yeah, yeah, I had to go get certified for this other stuff. Yeah. Like, I woke up like this for real. And before we um uh, before we wrap up, uh, we're gonna end on a little lighter note because I do know you are a sports guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get a um little um finals prediction. What you see, what you saw, what could have happened. Man, I'm scared, bro. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. They should have knocked Giannis out. And 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 Drew Holiday? Mm-hmm. Dog. Drew Holiday's earning his money. Dog. He's earning his money. And he's so quiet about it. Quiet. That's the. That's what I like about he, him. You know, because he's, he's all about business. Woo. In between those four lines, woo. he's business. Woo. Speaking of point guards, his counterpart. What do you feel about the player CP3? I think. I think he's been bamboozled by the NBA. Hoodwink. <laughs> <laughs> Not bamboozled. Bamboozled. <laughs> Let us <laughs> We didn't land on Plymouth Rock yet. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think he's bought into the, if you take care of us, we'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. And they've forgotten about him. Man. And now the game has so far eluded him. The championship has so far eluded him that if they don't figure out a way. This to, is it. This is, boy. This you, is it. You might as well be Carmelo. If you don't get it, you, you better knock him out. 
that oh we can do it at home so I can Mm-mm. I can overact I can over exaggerate and we're gonna do it at home bro you better you better find a man dead and kill him <laughs> for real because if you ask him how he's okay how he's doing yeah he may respond yeah <laughs> then you better find that man dead and you better kill him for real just now you down yeah you had them and they had, found a groove so it's like ooh. in between those losses and like I told people, Ooh. and you know, um, CP3, Devin Booker, dogs. I mean, um, I like, I love their game. I hey, love their heart. Hey, Undersized hey. guys, but when, like I always tell people, it's two things in sports you cannot coach. That's heart and height. When you have 6'7", 6'8", 6'10", that moves like your 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", counterpart. Trouble. 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 <laughs> Trouble. So, at this point right now, this next game, really, that game five to me was pivotal. It was that was, that was, the, that was the turning point. You know, as everybody say, you know, we'll win game five, win the season, mm-hmm. and I'm leaning towards that. Mm-hmm. But the pit bull and Chris Do- and Chris Powell, because I've always loved this game, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. They have one last hoorah. I'm gonna say that. But if they don't show up to play, a parade is near. You better. They better blow them out. Considerably and convincingly, you, you better put you, it on their head. You here. better do it because I don't believe that you give somebody that's hungry mm, and a, Greek free. Oh, he's starving. Oh my god, he's, he's starving for great. Oh, you see it. I didn't gave it. I didn't did. You see away. the knee? He's not supposed to be playing, but he's he's starving. He's you, you don't give somebody that's starving mm-hmm. a chance to eat. Mm. Facts. Because they're going to get fooled. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I don't know whenever this going to happen. Take your place. What? Mm-hmm. I, For real. I mean, you know, eat and slide. No. <laughs> you you better slide. You better slide and eat and stand. Because For at, real. The, at the point in which I catch you, bro, it's. I'm getting all mine. Yeah, it's going down. Yeah, I, I, I hope. I hope. I just don't see it, man. I, yeah. I, I think Milwaukee's going to take it. it. Yeah. They just, they just need to win. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with you. I, 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 at the beginning of the series, and you know, I, I was leaning towards Phoenix because I saw something like Chris Paul is like to me, like you say, the league's kind of evolved and kind of went went away from him. But mm-hmm. he was always hurt at the wrong time going into playoffs. And I saw something like he's there this time. He's in there. Mm-hmm. He got a dog with him Ooh. that don't disappear. Ooh. Now Devin Book, his nose is broke, shooting Ooh. was off a little bit. But I know at any time he can drop. 70% yeah. like he did yeah. and he went out for 40 so he's gonna show up Ooh. but it's that length and athleticism oh, on the other uh, Chris Middleton is a problem I don't oh, they don't have a God. matchup for him on the he's other side he stops himself if he if he doesn't stop himself and he goes for 30 they put him a pencil it in it's a championship and so that's where I'm at with it. I feel I'm, I'm I have to agree with you yeah it's scary to imagine Giannis having a blowout game, a breakout game, because he's he's so consistent. He's, he's 30, Pennsylvania. 30, 30, 10, 7, yeah. 12, 12, whatever. Pennsylvania. He scores 42, dog. You lost by, you lost and by And he 19. sees it? The trophy's behind? Is in the tunnel? You lost by 19. Easy. Easy. Man, before we wrap up, I just want to tell you again, Thank you for all you do for the community. Thank you for taking the time to sit out and talk to me tonight, man. I know you've been doing 
buku other things. So <laughs> just for you to come in and sit out and talk with me tonight, man. Hey, I, I really appreciate it, man, man. I appreciate it. It was needed. I feel like I, you know, I needed to sit down and decompress a little bit. Hey, and I and I understand that coming from y'all side because you hear so <laughs> much. It's like, man, can I talk? Can I say what yeah, I feel about situations? So yeah. I'm gonna be continuing exactly. And so with this segment here, man, I'm going to be bringing um, some other members of law enforcement in, man. I, I appreciate you for being one of the first ones to kind of kick it off for me. And uh, I just want to kind of keep this dialogue going to let our community know that we have people that have our best interests in mind. Absolutely. So we can't shut out the blue totally. Mm-hmm. So we need y'all, man. And um, hey, thank you for what you do. Um, as always, man, always visualize your goals. And after that, accomplish those visualized goals. Follow me on Instagram, abg underscore podcast underscore 911. Gone.